Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Good morning. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with y'all, but I love whatever it is. You know, I, I, I just can't stay inside that long this time of year. And I know some of you are uh, same way. And uh, so proud of you for being out in this treacherous weather. You know, people in Wisconsin are laughing at us and wearing short sleeve shirts. You know, it's so funny. In Oklahoma, it's like every year. If you're a meteorologist, I pray for you because every year you stir it up. All right? So stand up. You guys know I'll go on my rant here in a little bit. It's just I can't help myself, you know. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I'll never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Kicking off this new series, I don't know how many of you have ever watched Crime Scene Investigators or Investigation, whatever. Uh, and I thought through this, and I, I, every year that I live, I'm more and more aware of how different outlets and people and situations manipulate our decisions. And that means in the thesaurus that manipulation is also a word is called control. And oftentimes we are not controlled by the Bible or what the Bible says or by our own convictions, but we're often controlled by what we hear. And uh, a lot of what we hear is manipulative. In other words, the effort is to move us in a direction of someone else's desire. So if someone's mad at you, they will eventually probably go to five or ten different people and try to manipulate them into being mad at you. Anybody, anybody ever been there? Then you haven't been in ministry if you haven't. So the whole idea is, if I don't like you, I want someone else to not like you. So they begin to manipulate. I, I read something on Instagram this week by a friend of mine, Dr. Dave Martin, and I'm going to try to quote it. It just came to me this morning. He said, you know, somebody came to him and, and said so-and-so was talking about you or something. He says, you know... I'm not as concerned about what they had to say about me as I am that they, you allowed them to talk about me, that they thought they could talk about me to you. And so the idea here when it comes to understanding manipulation is to realize this is common sense, okay? So I call this common sense investigation, CSI, common sense. And so the idea here is to realize when someone is trying to shift the way you think in the direction of how they think. And this happens every day, every day, everywhere. This morning I got up to check the weather on Channel 5, and uh, the, the two people on there, you would have thought by how they were talking about the weather that we were all going to die today. 
It, it was just so bad. The, the roads are so slick. They're so terrible, you know, and they're going on and on and on. And I'm sitting here going, you got to be kidding me. This is called a trace. Now, granted, it's a little more dangerous, but the idea was that we want to get you to believe what we have to say so everybody will stay home. So this, I've been to church for 40 years, guys, and I have never, ever one time called church off on a Sunday morning. And aren't you glad I didn't? Now, I'm not mad at anybody who's done. I'm not judging anybody. I'm simply saying that our minds are often influenced by what we think to be true based on what somebody else told me is their truth. Everybody else's truth is not your truth, and your truth may not be everybody else's truth. The idea is that we all walk in different lanes in different ways for different reasons, and the real goal is that it's one thing to share what you believe and, and to really just, hey, I want to share my heart or my convictions, but I'm doing it because I believe in it, not that you have to believe in it. It's why I can talk to anybody about theology and never get in an argument because I'm just sharing with you what I believe. I'm not trying to convince you I'm right, but if you watch my life and the redemption of God working in the lives of people who believe, you might be interested. And so there's a story in the book of Daniel, chapter 6, and then uh, verses 5 through 10, and then 12 through 16. Uh, Daniel had come into captivity, and in his captivity, because he was uh, a very intelligent man, uh, the king of Babylon would pull the intelligent out of Israel, bring them into his kingdom for the, with the idea of training them in every way to be like he was and his kingdom. And so it was a, a difficult position because Daniel was a committed believer in God, in Jehovah, and He's in this kingdom being treated unbelievably well because they're trying to get him to convert. And I will talk about the tools of manipulation in just a moment. One of those tools is positive reinforcement. But you have to understand, sometimes when people are being positively reinforcing, you have to ask yourself, and this is where it goes back to common sense, why are they doing this? What's in it for me? What does this do to my life? How does this affect my life? Instead of saying, you know, I got the best of everything, why, you know, I know God would want this for me, Daniel could be thinking, but Daniel knew his commitment was to Israel and his God. So, follow me here. It says, finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel. They, they, they watched him, they were jealous of him, and a lot of times, jealousy creates manipulation, People cannot overcome their jealousy, so what they begin to try to do is to pull someone down in order to raise themselves up. This happens in every profession, including church, including pastors. It happens everywhere that we feel like, i got to tear somebody else down so I can look better. And that's what these guys are trying to do, but they couldn't find any charges against Daniel unless it has something to do with the law of his God. They knew Daniel would not compromise in that area. So these administrators and satraps went as a group to the king and said, May King Darius live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, and satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict 
and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any God or human being during the next 30 days except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, your majesty, issue this decree and put it into writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians. Now, they are right now in the process of manipulating the king. The king has no idea why they're doing this or why they're trying to do it. He doesn't know that they're talking, they're doing this in effect to destroy Daniel's life. They are perfect manipulators. They make it sound good. They make it look good. This is all about you, O king. This is all about how great you are. It wasn't that at all. They hated Daniel. And let me tell you, you do not want to be in this position. If the Bible is accurate across the board, and what happens to these guys later could possibly happen in our lives, I'm thinking, God, don't let me do this. And so they're, they're setting the king up, and it says, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, (laughs) he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving God thanks to his God just as he had done before. It's a perfect trap to get Daniel killed and the king having to honor his own integrity, saying, he would sign this document. This is evil, folks. Manipulation is evil. Get this in your head. Common sense, this should be common sense that anything I do to control anybody else's life, that is called manipulation. If I attempt to control your life in any way, I am a manipulator just like these guys. Now, Sometimes we miss it because somebody says, this is for your own good. Oh, king, everybody needs to know who you are. You're in a position of power. You're in a position of authority. Everybody needs to praise you. Well, let me tell you, that appeals to the flesh, doesn't it? Now, let's jump down here to verse 12. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any god or human being except to you your majesty, would be thrown into the lion's den. The king answered, The decree stands in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, your majesty, or the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. This is the favor of God on Daniel by a foreign king. This is what happens in our lives. When the favor of God comes on your life, it irritates people. And many people say, I want to be liked so bad that I will reject the favor of God. In order to get along with everyone, I will reject the favor of God. Daniel said, there is no, nothing or no one that will keep me from doing what I know to do to be right. So the king is distressed. He tried everything he could until sundown to save him. Then the man went as a group to the king Darius and said to him, Remember, your majesty, that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. So the king gave the order... And they brought Daniel 
and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, may your God, whom you served, continually rescue you. So the king, this is wise, very wise, he spoke of Daniel's God. And he prayed that the God Daniel believed in would rescue him. Rather than trying to defend himself or try to make himself look good, he honors God and he honors Daniel. We know the story. Lions weren't hungry anymore. Daniel's sitting down there. They're like kitty cats purring. But the point here is this. It is very, very important that we investigate who we are and think through what we believe and why we believe it. Investigate it. Too often we don't investigate conversations. We don't investigate our lives. We don't investigate the outcome of the decisions that we make or the offers that have been made. Many times the devil will orchestrate through a human being a conversation that will try to change the trajectory of our lives. I'll never forget when I was in college in Tulsa that I desperately wanted to preach. I, I had preach on me. And, man, I, I was going to this very, very large church. It was an awesome church, great pastor. But in my mind, I was convinced that I was really just wasting my time. I should be preaching. I should be doing something for God. And because I had that mindset... This offer comes to me from a little church across town that was okay, but it wasn't doing that great. And, and man, they rolled out the carpet. They offered me this job, and, and, and I was all excited. But when that was a Sunday morning, I attended, I went, and I, I looked at it, and they looked at me, and da-da-da-da. All that to say that evening, I went back to my church that I had been attending because they didn't have a Sunday night at the church I was being interviewed for. And when I got into the very entrance of the auditorium it was like a, a breeze blew on me and I knew that I needed to be there that I wasn't going to be preaching I wasn't going to be doing anything but sitting but in my mind there was this manipulative thought that yeah but this would be good for me now let me ask you this question how often do you ask that question without saying is this good for God's kingdom is this what God would would God be benefited would this kingdom be benefited if I did this and, and so sometimes we just have to stop and investigate the opportunity, the criticism, the gossip, and say, is this true? Because let me tell you something. If it is not true, you don't have to say one word. The Bible says that, that no weapon formed against you will prosper, and every tongue that rises up against you will be refuted. Sometimes you just have to cease striving, be still, and know that he's God. Sometimes somebody at work has misrepresented you, or they know that you read your Bible on break, and you shouldn't have a Bible at work, and, and so they start manipulating with the boss, saying, you know, we're not sure this is okay, and they start talking to him. You don't have to go and defend yourself and say, that heathen's going to hell, boss. You just got to keep reading your Bible. Daniel just kept going to where he'd been going three times a day. He didn't try to argue. He didn't debate anything. He just said, I'm giving it to God. And if you want to throw me in the lion's den, let's just see what happens. Because if I do die, Daniel said, if it even happens to me, I'll just go be with my father. Too often, our feelings and our emotions begin to try to control circumstances and situations. And sometimes all it takes is one person or three people to be in your corner, and you think you have a monopoly or a majority. 
Let me just tell you something. God doesn't make mistakes. Every king that God installed in the Old Testament, he didn't make a mistake. We would often think that maybe he made a mistake. But there is no authority, even according to Romans. There is no authority that is an authority that wasn't allowed or appointed by God. This is why I say don't talk about our presidents. I don't care if you like them or not. Don't think God didn't know who's in presidency, who's in the office. I don't care if you're Democrat, Republican, Democrat, or whatever. Republic idiot. I don't believe in any of that stuff. What I believe in is we all have a vote, and at the end of that vote, we ought to all smile and go, praise God, now let's start praying. Instead of trying to manipulate and control hate, we'll never do anything, never solve any problem. You just need to pray for them. But see, we get all emotional, tied up, winning, losing, my party, her party, his party. What about if we just were really one nation under God? One nation under God. I'm not selling you on any candidate. I'm going to tell you something. We've been trying to vote people in that are perfect, and not one president has been perfect. Not one king was perfect. David had a heart after God, but he, we know he wasn't perfect. And if I really wanted to make a case, I would argue David should never get his kingdom back. He not only had an affair, but let me tell you, he murdered the husband. He should not get his king. God said, I appointed him. I didn't make a mistake. Don't get too loud on me now. Six mistakes that we make. I won't get through this whole sermon today, but you're getting, you're getting the meat of it. Six mistakes that we make. Number one, the delusion that personal gain is made by crushing other people. Personal gain is made by crushing. That is totally opposite of the Bible. If someone asks you to go a mile, go two. If they ask you your shirt, give them your coat. If they hit you on one cheek, turn them and hit you on the other. goes against the grain of, of our human fallen condition. So as a result of that, if somebody does, does us wrong, then we immediately try to get people on our side to convince them that we were done wrong. Folks, let me tell you something. You'll live a miserable life, a long, miserable. You'll live so long because you're so miserable that you'll wish you had died. Speak well of all people. So much as it depends on you, be at peace with all people. I'm addressing manipulation here because when you take this approach, you will have no desire to control other people. And that's all manipulation is. You can Google manipulation, go to your thesaurus. Under that, a synonymous word with manipulation is control. It's a dangerous place to live. Number two, the tendency to worry about things that cannot be changed or corrected. Number three, insisting that a thing is impossible because he cannot accomplish it. In other words, we discourage other people because we know we could not do it. So we begin to manipulate others to make them believe they can't because we know we can't. Musicians irritate me because I wish I was one. Great singers irritate me because I can't hit a note. I can play a little guitar enough to embarrass myself. I think it's Jesus. But we look at other people who are doing well. 
It's something we would like, and we say it's impossible. You can't be doing that. Number four, refusing to set aside trivial preferences. If you cannot set aside trivial preferences, you will eventually be overcome by the preference, and it will become a conviction that you will fight for and fight against others for. Number five, neglecting development and refinement of the mind and not acquiring the habit of reading and, and studying. So when I have an issue, I was telling Susan this morning, I said, I've, I've always just gone to the Bible when I'm wrestling with my flesh. How many of you know when you wrestle with your flesh, sometimes you start trying to, your flesh will start trying to talk to you and convince you that you're right. Whenever I start having trouble in my attitude or my heart, I'll go to the Bible. Now, it's not perfect every time because there have been times I've just let my flesh have its way. But most of my life, my Christian life, I've gone to the Bible when I know somebody has wronged me, somebody said something about me, and, and I try to do the opposite. There were, during the battle, it was General Lee and another general, and there was a battle going on, and someone asked General Lee, what do you think about General so-and-so? And he said, oh, he's a, he's a great man. He's a great leader. He's a great general. And the guy looked at him and said, well, you ought to hear what he says about you. He looked back at the gentleman and he said, you know, I thought you asked me what I thought about him, not what he thought about me. In other words, it doesn't matter what he thinks about me. I'm not going to change who I am based on what he thinks about me. I'm going to stay who I am, and I'm going to speak well of him. You'll never go wrong speaking well of people who have spoken poorly of you. It will hurt. It will violate your flesh, but it will exalt God's kingdom. That's how come when someone asks me about another pastor in town, I look and say, oh, I've heard nothing but good things about him. I am so thankful they're preaching about Jesus. I'll never forget when Craig and I were growing our churches together and we'd hang out together. People would try to divide us. They'd say, well, what are you at Craig Rochelle? And I'd look and I'd say, he's one of the finest people I've ever met in my life. Matter of fact, you would be well off if you went to church there. And I was trying to build my own church. But I was going to crush the spirit of manipulation that would try to support me and who I am. That's a terrible place to live. Your boss may be a horrible behaving person, but your boss is creating the image and likeness of God. God did not make a mistake when he made him or her. God put them in that position. It's no accident. And it might have been just for you, just to rub off the rough edges of your life. You need to pray for them and say, God, thank you for that mean boss. I know I need to learn how to deal with mean. And if I can deal with mean, I can deal with more mean. And I'm going to grow when I know how to respond to mean. Daniel didn't look at Darius and say, you're a lying king. You know you could rescue me if you wanted to. Daniel just smiled and said, where's the door to the lion's den? I got goosebumps. Because everything I'm preaching right now is one of my favorite messages. Because let me tell you all something. I used to be a major manipulator. Not, not proud of it, but I, I grew up learning how to maneuver and manipulate. I'll never forget one time I wanted a number in basketball that another guy had, and I ended up with that number. I don't know how I convinced him to give me his number because that was my number. And just the day that we picked jerseys, he got my number. And I said, you know, that jersey looks a little tight on you. I mean, I'm not saying it is, but... Don't you feel a little uncomfortable when you're under the basket trying to rebound? I mean, it just seems like it, you know, I ended up with my number. Now, you know what? I should have said, you know what? I'd really like that number, but if you enjoy it, I want you to have it. 
You see what I'm saying? Just a little twist. And we justify that little twist. Six, attempting to compel others to believe and live as you do. Now you say, but we're Christians. We're called to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Yeah, we're not called to go into all the world and change people. We're called to go into all the world and preach good news. And good news is what changes people, not us. I've never saved anyone. I've told a lot of people they can be saved. But I don't get any credit at all. You say, well, you get credit for all these souls. No, I don't. I get credit for preaching the gospel. That's all I get. God saves souls. You pray for somebody and they got well. You're not a healer. He is. You just believed what he said to be true. That's all. We're just vessels. We're just messengers. That's all we are. So let's talk about five aspects. Number one, positive reinforcements. Positive reinforcement is one way people manipulate other people. You say, but isn't it nice to be positive? Yes, it is. With a pure heart. With a pure heart. Let's put it this way. Any of us who've raised kids, and, and our kids, when we go out in public, we want them to act really good, don't we? Can I tell you something? Yeah, we want them to act good, but why? Because it makes us look good. Manipulation is not about our kids. It's about us. I want my kids to look nice. I want them to act right. Why? Because it makes me look like a good daddy that I got it all together. So I'm basically manipulating people into believing this is how you do parenting. Let me tell you all something. Kids are kids, and they bring out the truth. If you ever call someone fat in front of your kids, I promise you, you'll meet up with that person at Target. And, Mom, is that the fat person you were talking about? Oh, my gosh. Now, I know I'm not supposed to use fat, but it's in the dictionary. It's supposedly metabolism challenged. I don't know what we do, you know. I don't know what you call it, but anyway, you get the point. That we want them to act right, speak right, look right for our sake. So we promise them things like suckers and candy and all kinds of things. And, I'll, you know, if you're really good, here's what I'll get you. You say, well, that's a reward. It's not the reward. It's the reason we're promising them the reward. It's the motivation. It's the attitude of the heart. If someone is wrong or doing wrong, and you honestly are able to communicate that because it's true, it will be communicated without any joy in your voice. You'll feel pain having to tell that truth because you hurt for them. This is one way you can tell whether you're being manipulative or not is if when you say something, it hurts you as bad as it would hurt them. Having a true heart to not control somebody else's wrong or right or behavior is what we're looking for. Instead of trying to manipulate for the sake of our own gain or our own good, putting someone else down so that we can look better. Question in one book is, do manipulators use positive reinforcement? Absolutely, especially in early phases of relationships. And if they stopped with only the use of positive reinforcement, especially if the rewards given are gains you desire, the relationship would not be manipulative. In other words, if I promised you something you desired and and it was for your good and not my good, then that's okay. But when I reinforce a behavior that I desire, 
that is not you, then it's for my gain and that is manipulation. I have, all of my children are kind of bohemian in dress. I would never wear what most of my children wear. Can I just put it that way? Now, every now and then it kind of gets on me and I love my kids, but they have their own unique style. And I was able to control that until they got in high school and started buying their own clothes. And then the only thing I could do is try to reinforce that I think they would look better if they wore something else. My oldest daughter would come to church pretty much year-round barefoot. And in clothes that, you know, and people say, does that bother you? I said, nah. I just got to the point where I knew I couldn't control her. And you know what? I realized it wouldn't do any good anyway. It would separate us, not join us together. And so it really graded on some people who grew up very traditional. I didn't care. I, the great, one of the greatest moves of God happened at Calvary Chapel in California. Chuck Smith decided that all the surfers that other churches were not allowing in because they'd have dirty feet and sand on their feet, and they'd come in the churches, and the churches would get filthy with all the sand and all of the beach. Chuck Smith, Chuck Smith said, let them come in. Let them worship. We'll just hire more cleaners. In other words, Chuck Smith said, I'm not going to try to make them like me. I'm going to try to introduce them to Jesus and make them like Jesus. You know you're not manipulating when everything you think about and every conversation you have is filtered through the good news of Jesus Christ. And it's not about you anymore. I didn't care if my, well, how my kids dressed. I didn't care how they talked. But I cared one thing. Do you love Jesus with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Because that may look different than the way I love him. But it doesn't mean it is different. We all have a different expression. Some people pick on Baptists and, and, and you know, because they're, they're not really expressive. But you know what? There are tons of good Baptists. Just, you know, and not, not, every, not every denomination has people that you, you just really wish they weren't even in your church. And we pick on different denominations. The reality, well, they, you know, Church of Christ don't have instruments. Yeah, but have you ever heard them sing? They don't need them. It's one of the most beautiful worship sounds I've ever heard when you get a Church of Christ church that you hear harmonies in the worship. So, but pastor, it, it, but it's okay to have, I know it's okay to have instruments, but guess what? It's okay not to. You see what I'm saying? So we fight over whether a church has instruments or drums or not. Why are we fighting over that? Are they worshiping Jesus? Are they getting good news? That's all I care about. You, 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 know, you can do whatever. Just glorify the Lord. But manipulative people want to convince everybody that their way is the only way. I grew up in one of those churches. The rest of y'all going to hell. I'm in the right church. You want to go to heaven, come to my church. That's called manipulation. When you scare people. And pastors used to do this. The ones I went to, my goodness, I'd go to church on Sunday. I was afraid when I'd show up some Sunday, nobody would be there. That's why I was convinced that I was going to hell. So I thought, why even go to church if I'm already going to hell? The threat was, if you miss church, you're going to hell. I thought, I don't want to miss church then. And I didn't even like going, but I went because I was manipulated into believing. I wasn't going to heaven. And I thought, hold it. Y'all aren't preaching good news. I know your heart's probably right. You don't want me to go to hell. And, and church helps us, and it does. And he, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, and that's true. But the reality is, if I miss church on a Wednesday night or Sunday, I, I wasn't going to hell. Now, I, I, I bought into that for a while. I thought, man, if I can just keep people afraid enough, we can build a great church. <laughs> First church of the scared. 
I mean, I love y'all being here. I, I do. I, I really appreciate it. But I, I got good news for you. You know, you're not going to heaven because you go to Mosaic or any other named church in town. You're going to heaven because you have faith in Jesus Christ. And I just want to keep building your faith. That's why I do church. I just want to build your faith. I laugh at mornings like this. I, I love mornings like this. I feel like, bring it on, Satan. You think a little ice is going to scare me? Get on the road. Let's spin out for Jesus. The most susceptible people to positive reinforcement manipulation are people pleasers. All you got to do is convince them that you'll do, you'll speak, you know, you'll promote them, you'll do whatever. And, and people pleasers will do anything for you just because they want to be liked. Folks, don't want to be liked. Live your life, and if people like you, that's great. If they don't, that's great too. You don't live your life for people. You live your life for God. So don't be easily manipulated by positive reinforcement that somebody else wants you to do because of them, not for you. If people would come to me, I've been doing this a long time. I'm just, I know I look a lot younger than I am. I know that. But I've been preaching this gospel for over 40 years. And I remember when I first started, I was so afraid if somebody came and said, I'm leaving your church. And, you know, I'd, I'd go after them. And finally, one day, God spoke, spoke to my heart and said, stop. And I'd ask them one question, you know. And people really kind of got joy out of it. I could tell they wanted me to come after them, you know, kind of manipulate me. And, well, you don't ever come and see me. You don't talk to me. We don't get to go out and eat with you. I'm thinking, you wouldn't like me anyway. What makes you think I'm your type? And I would finally look. I said, they said, we're leaving. I said, can I ask you one question? Where are you going to go to church? And if they told me, I said, that's going to be awesome. I'm just so glad you're in church. I'm so glad you're going to keep worshiping Jesus. I said, I'm done manipulating people in to coming to church for my gain so you'll be a, just another butt in a seat. Oh, excuse me. Another person in a seat. I decided that it wasn't important that someone follow me. It was important that people follow Jesus. And that if I could be a person that pointed them to Jesus every week, as long as I could do that, I would be satisfied. But if I, in their mind, heart, right or wrong, I was not pointing them to Jesus, then I want them to go to a place where they feel pointed to Jesus. Do you see what I'm saying? So positive reinforcement, the only way it's healthy, because God's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, and there's nothing long, wrong with rewards as long the re, as the rewards that are being offered are pure. If you're only, it's like hanging a carrot in front of a donkey. It keeps the donkey going, but at the end of the trip, the donkey doesn't get the carrot. You just used it to keep him marching for you. That's what happens in a lot of relationships. Promise after promise after promise. And people who are people pleasers just keep on buying into it. It never happens. And at the end of your life, you're miserable and you're tired. Because you've been manipulated and controlled by a promise that may never come true. Negative reinforcement is the second thing. And negative reinforcement is something we're all pretty well familiar with. It's called threats. 
it's called manipulating how you think and the possibilities of, of things going bad for you and if you don't do this, if you don't do that. It's, it's the constant threat. Now, don't get me wrong. There should be consequences when there is wrong behavior. But it's not for your sake. I, I didn't want to punish or I didn't want to, you know, spank my kids because it made me feel good. I wanted them to understand the Bible says if you spare the rod, you hate the child. You don't spoil them. You hate them. And so that there would be consequences so that when you grow up, you're getting a belt from me instead of a baton from a police officer because you're an idiot and you don't know how to respect authority. And so what we've done, we live in a society where that, that there is no longer any type of consequence for wrong behavior, uh, or if there is, it, it's often looked down upon. So we have this, this tension in mankind and in humanity because of negative reinforcement. Now, let me just tell you, put it this way. So like, this is the story, and I'll close with this one. A lady by the name of Byron Katie wrote a book, um, Loving What Is, and you guys will hear me refer to her from time to time. It was a book that really kind of transformed my life. She was a type A person. She had a family, and, and she was just really intense person, so she would come home, and her kids would have thrown shoes in the floor and socks and shirts, and her husband was the same way, and she'd come in, and, and she, would just, she would just go on a rampage, and she was just, you need to pick up, and if you don't, and, and go down this list, and, and finally, it drove her crazy. And it was the best thing that ever happened to her. She found herself uh, in an institution. Nobody would stay with her. So she was on a floor by herself, in a room by herself. And she had an encounter with God. Because she was trying to control her entire world. You know why? To benefit her. To make her feel good. You see, positive reinforcements to make you look good. Negative reinforcements to make you feel good. And, and so she didn't feel good because every time she came home, the house wasn't the way she wanted it in perfect order, everything picked up, everybody ought to have my ideals. How many of you know your kid doesn't care le- could care less if their sheets are changed once a year and if they haven't seen their floor in a year? They don't care. Now, you might have one or two that do, and that's only because they want your approval, but kids are kids. They don't value that. They're living life day to day and having a good time. And unless you become like little children, you won't even inherit the kingdom of God. Some of y'all need to go home and throw clothes on your floor. Now, I'm a type A. I like things in order. So when I say this, this is very difficult for me. It goes against the grain of who I really am. And I do think that there ought to be participation. Don't hear me say that if in the house there shouldn't be order and that everybody should contribute. But... It had controlled her life, and when something controls you, you will try to control everybody else. It's that simple. And so finally, one day after she has this encounter, she decided, she had this revelation. You know what? This is important to me, but it's not important to anybody else in the house. So she said, since it's important to me, I'm just going to come home, and when I come home, if everything's all in a mess, I'm just going to pick it up. I'm going to put it where it belongs. And she began doing that because it was of value to her. And rather than trying to make everybody else believe what she believed, as she started doing this, guess what happened? Everybody else in the family said, this is important to mom. And because it's important to mom, we're going to participate. You see, it's a totally different paradigm than how we're brought up. That she did what she did out of love and said, I, this is important to me, but obviously no one else. I'm not going to try to make everybody else like me. And as she began doing that over a period of time, everybody else started picking up their own stuff.
I, I believe in consequences. I do. If you're going 80 in a school zone, you should probably get a pretty big ticket and go to jail. The reason I say this is because before I had kids, 25 miles an hour seemed like the stupidest thing in the world. After all, it's your job to keep the kids out of the street. Right? That's how we think. Then I had kids and I thought, if somebody speeds through a school zone, I want to put my badge on and go after them. You know why? Because these kids are precious and they're, just, they're kids and they're having fun. Everything changes when, when things change in how you think. So the idea is not to get people to do what you want them to do, but to give them information so they can have the opportunity to rethink what they do. You're not manipulating them now. You're just simply saying, it might be better for you if you didn't do 80 and a 25, but let's see. And here's why. Manipulation has a thread of truth and a whole lot of deception. Because manipulators, it's never about the other person. It's always about their well-being and their good. So ask yourself the next time you're trying to convince somebody of something, why you're trying to convince them of that. Is this for their good? What benefit will it be to them? How can it help their life? Instead of thinking, this will make me feel better if I come home and everything's picked up. It'll make me feel like I'm in charge. They get it finally, bless God. I'm in control. Instead of sitting down and saying, you know, someday you're going to have a family. You're going to have your own home. And, you know, this may be how you want to live. And if it is, God bless you. You know, but could you possibly think this is not how we want to live as a family? Finally, what I did with my kids was I said, I'm going to compromise with you. Your room can look like an Oklahoma tornado hit it. But the rest of the house, we all live here. And we're going to share this place in common. And uh, it'll be clean. You know what? It works really well. They... They held up their end of the promise. Their rooms looked like a tornado hit it. I kept up my end of the promise. The rest of this is going to look good. You know, it finally ended well. And quite frankly, uh, it's been fun watching some really great women that they married. And it's corrected a lot. I'll continue this whole month on manipulation. The reason I'm doing this, folks, let me tell you. It's devastating when you want the world to revolve around you and you think it should revolve around you. We no longer honor authority. We criticize authority from the president's office all the way down. It's a terrible thing. Those who run a business, you know what I'm talking about. You're doing the best you can to be the person God's called you to be and all you get is criticized. You're a parent. You're doing the best you can. And all you get is criticized. I get it. But it shouldn't change who you are and the heart with which you live life. Don't become like the people you're trying to help just because they don't seem to be hearing your voice. Be the person God created you to be. Live in his image and his likeness with his heart and his attitude. And let's see what happens. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for... Your grace and mercy. Jesus, you didn't come into the world to manipulate the world. You said, I came into the world, the world might be saved. You knew that there would be people to hate you. Not only hate you, they'd crucify you. And when you looked and said, I just want all of you to know, I'm not going to call 6,000 legions of angels down to rescue me. This is how it's supposed to be. And he looks down from the cross. Jesus, you look down 
And you said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. God, help us to be more like your son. Not gossiping, not criticizing, not manipulating. Help us, Father, to love the way you loved when you gave your son. To guard our hearts, to not be manipulated, to guard our hearts not to be manipulators. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to ask you real quickly to pray a prayer with me. We always like to give people an opportunity to receive Jesus. God saves. Jesus saves. Holy Spirit convicts and changes us. And today, if you're not a believer and you're watching online, you can be a believer today. You can be a Christian. It's a simple prayer that makes an enormous, profound difference in your life. So pray this with me. Say, Father God, thank you so much for sending your only son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.